Almost there. <coughs> It'd be funny if I bought one and if I wore it. <laughs> well, if you wore it all the time, then maybe. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Aaron for FCBC Walnut. I am the social media officer, and I am here live streaming with Pastor Hanley, the English lead pastor at FCBC Walnut. Hanley, it's been a while. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It, amid everything that's going on <laughs> with coronavirus and in society, uh, God has been God has been good. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for taking the time to do this call. I know that it's not necessarily part of your pastoral job description, I guess, to do Zoom live interviews with me. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it. And hopefully our, our congregation appreciates it as well. How do you feel? about the results of the presidential election. That's where we left off last time and I said we would record a new episode. I just wanna know your feelings right now. How do you feel? Well, I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of thoughts. I mean, there's some concern over the Equality Act. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, President-elect Biden has said that in his first 100 days um, of, of being in his, the presidential office that he would pass the Equality Act. And that would have implications for religious freedom, um, not only for institutions like churches, but individual businesses that choose to exercise their uh, Christian freedom or their Judeo-Christian values in terms of refusing service or refusing sales to, for certain things that violate their conscience. So I, I, I am a little concerned about that. Um, I am hopeful that the you know, regardless of political things, but more just when it comes to the Equality Act, I, I am thankful that the Senate, um, and I'm hopeful that the Senate will re remain conservative because I think, I then think you'll have a balance of power, right? You'll have a Democratic uh, president, you'll have a Democratic uh, majority in the House, uh, but you'll, but hopefully you'll have a Senate uh, majority and that would slow things down or that would, that could prevent the Equality Act from passing and uh, allow churches more time to just prepare uh, for for things that would come. But we did talk about this a little bit last time. Yeah, so, okay, it sounds like you're not telling me if you're happy or sad. You didn't, you didn't really say that to me. <laughs> I don't want to give it, I don't want to show sad? my cards. I don't want to show my cards. <laughs> um, that's fair, that's fair. You know, I, I, I really I really trusted in God with this. Obviously, I, mm. I, I voted a certain way. Um, and but but I was prepared for for either uh, either presidency. So uh, I mean, if you're if you're talking about, let's just say that President Trump uh, won a second term. I think if that happened, then Christians have to be all the more uh, honest and all the more vocal about the importance of civility and being civil mm -hmm. and unifying speech. But at, at the same time, uh, recognizing that there are some policies that do protect religious freedom. Again, uh, religious freedom is not promised in the New Testament, uh, but when we have religious freedom, I think it's something that we can steward well for the gospel and we ought to steward well for the gospel. And so talking about not just Christian freedom, but I'm talking about uh, the, the, free, the, the freedom to have ideas 
mm. that might not be popular, free thought to, uh, when it comes to education even or anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hold on. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. You, you did say um, in a, a couple um, prayer meeting devotions ago, um, you were talking about religious freedom, freedom of, I guess, speech, um, and I guess how that plays out. What were you talking about exactly? I kind of want to share that with our broader audience here so we can take it outside of the prayer meeting walls. Yeah, I, I did a devotional, um, and, and I have it here because I, I probably forgot the title, but but I entitled it Christ-Centered Family Units Uphold Religious yeah. Freedom slash Free Thought. Christ-Centered Family Units Uphold Religious Freedom and Free Thought. And I, I don't mean it to sound like my sermons, but basically there's a really interesting book out there. I'm reading you know, different things, um, some secular books, but this one is written by a, a, a Judeo-Christian author, uh, there's a very interesting book called Live Not by Lies. I think the subtitle is a manual for, for Christian uh, dissidents or, or dis something like that. Uh, so Live Not by Lies by Rod Dreyer, if I'm pronouncing his yes. name. And, and yeah. he's famous because he's the author of The Benedict Option, which is a New York Times bestseller, which I haven't read that book. Uh, but, but, I, but I've heard of the name Rod Dreyer, um, if I'm pronouncing it right. And it's really interesting because as I began to read it, uh, he begins with this account of an elderly woman. She's an immigrant woman uh, in America, and her she's from uh, Czechoslovakia, and she's giving an observation of the current events in America, and she's noticing that there's a lot of trends that are happening that reflect the building blocks that led up to when first when communism first came into Czechoslovakia and then Czechoslovakia became eventually part of the USSR or the Soviet Union. Uh, and so it was really interesting. And so, so these are ideas like cancel culture. These are ideas like the progressive agenda for social justice, uh, equality where everybody has to just agree with, uh, with each other. And, and so when you think of something like religion, religion's the first thing to go uh, in any communist regime. So again, I'm, this is not a conspiracy theory book. I'm not saying that America is going to turn uh, communist, but 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 I, I started to to talk about you know religious freedom. Like, how do you even suppress religious freedom? Right? When you talk about religious freedom, you're talking once again about free ideas. Well, what happens if your idea uh, is something that's not popular or it goes against popular trends and culture, like your views on gender, or, or for example, right? Um, once, once you have a couple generations that buy into this, and again, I, I, I think it's so subtle, it's a soft uh, movement towards totalitarianism, which this book talks about, wow. it's so subtle that you can't, you don't even know, like, so people who support uh, some of these ideas, um, I, I think they don't know it's coming. So, so um, I'll expand a little more. I mean, um, first of all, uh, I do believe that racism is an issue. I think racism is a problem in our nation. Uh, everybody agrees that there's racism. It's it's a result of sin. And even in churches, a lot of churches need to deal with prejudice and, and racism. But um, I think if you look at the trends, um, you're, you're beginning to see racism becoming uh, the big idea of everything, right? And mm -hmm. the opposite then would be equality or uh, racial justice. So again, those are hotbed terms, but what do we mean by that even when we say that? And so then you take that into, okay, how do we deal with this problem, okay, of racism? And you're beginning to hear 
uh, younger younger people in America, things that you wouldn't have heard 10 years ago, you would, you'd, you might hear like one or two people talk about socialistic ideas as good, but they would be outliers. They would be weird or strange or crazy. Uh, but now you're beginning to see generations, more and more people adopt certain socialistic ideas and say, hey, that's not so bad. So when you have generations of people who say, well, I don't need free ideas anymore. Uh, everyone should just listen to what's popular and equal. And when you have enough people saying freedom that we have is bad, meaning it's not good, the constitution is not good, then my question is, what is the alternative then? And again, people don't even know what's happening, right? So, so again, once you say America's bad, I'm not saying America has pro doesn't have problems and I'm not saying racism is not a problem, okay? But when you say, okay, uh, the freedom that we have is not good, I feel oppressed by the constitution or by this freedom, then again, what's the alternative? And sadly, I think what is misunderstood with the term equality is that then nobody can disagree. Everybody has to agree with everyone and accept everyone for whoever they want to be or what they want to be, right? And once you get to that point, it moves, moves towards communism. And that's why in communist nations today, there's no religion because religion is the defense. Religion is that free idea of worship. Religion yeah. is that I don't have to buy into any narrative because I believe in a certain truth. And so you can ask me some follow-ups, but I talked about how the family unit is the is one of the defenses. And that's from Rob Dreyer's book. I do want to follow up on that. that that's, <laughs> this is pretty heavy stuff that you've been reading. Okay, first, first off, before we get into the follow-up, did you just start reading this because of everything that's been happening in, in the political realm? Or were you kind of dabbling in this before? <laughs> where did this come from? Um, yeah, I mean, um, there was, I, I was reading, I was reading on just, um, on just what's happening politically, what's happening in society. I was trying to understand better the ramifications of the Equality Act, uh, religious freedom, yeah. at the same time, recognizing some of the real social issues that the church does need to uh, speak to more prophetically, uh, once again, like some of the injustices. But um, I saw uh, Tim Chalice, and you know, I know mm -hmm. we've been praying for him because he, right. his son passed away. That was a tragedy. Right, right, but Tim right. Chalice, uh, he had a, a blog post. Uh, he one of his posts is it's a couple months back, I think, or maybe in the summer, where he, he put a list of books that read these books to understand the times, and that happened right. to be one of the titles. So uh, I I went and searched for it, got in got an ebook, uh, and started started reading it. Well, good job doing your homework. Okay, here's my question for you. You mentioned that we need to, something about the family unit, like that we need the, to what, to emphasize free thought in the family unit or the family unit yeah. is the defense? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so, so again, I mean, in, in our church, you know, um, a lot of people are strongly conservative, right? Right. Um, right. And so they are, they're discouraged uh, and disappointed by the election results. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest fears is uh, the loss of religious freedom or the slow encroachment, the censorship right. from being taken away and basically the progressive movements of, of, of right. liberal thoughts. Right, right. And I want to argue in encouragement that yes, legislation does make a difference, but legislation is what is not what ultimately upholds religious freedom. Because religious freedom operates in the realm of the conscience, 
Mm. And it operates in the spiritual realm of the mind and the heart and of free ideas and thoughts. And so, yes, government can censor religious truth, right? Uh, the mm -hmm. workplace can censor uh, religious talk or certain beliefs being expressed freely. Um, yeah. The sports, uh, whatever, you, you name it, right? Right, right. But, but nobody can come into your home and mm. tell, you, tell you what you can't or can't teach your children. Mm. Nobody can come into your home or if, if you're if you're single, nobody can come into your groups of friends that you meet with and tell right. you what kind of conversation you can't or can't have privately. And when you think about it, legislation, I don't think religious freedom is going away tomorrow. But when you're when you're talking about subsequent generations, they are the ones going to the voter voting polls. They are the ones going to the voting booths. They are the ones that are going to be voting in legislators. Um, and, and presidents and leaders and lawmakers. So if you really want to preserve religious freedom, it is disciple making. It is equipping the mind and equipping the heart. And for those of us who are parents, that starts in the home. And so nobody mm. can take that religious freedom away from us in that sense. And if we understand this, Rob Dreyer, he says that the family unit is like a resistance cell that would then stand against uh, let's just say the worst case scenario of, of socialism or communism ever taking over America, right? Yeah, when yeah, people yeah. surrender their freedoms for the sake of so-called quote-unquote equality. Yeah. Okay. So this is, I think we kind of touched on this a couple episodes back. This might be a stereotype of some people, but there was the, I guess, perception that our church, you just tell your kids go to church and they're going to teach you the bible they're going to take care of you that way and now we're seeing more of an emphasis on discipleship in the home with with our own parents or you know parents discipling their children i know that's not totally true it's a little bit of a stereotype but it sounds like that's what you're saying right you're saying that hey if you're really going to teach your kids these things it doesn't necessarily always come from the church and the pulpit it needs to come from the home, especially as we look towards the future uh, generations, elections to come. Is that is that correct? Am I saying that correctly? A absolutely, especially for especially for parents who are Christian, right? I mean, when you mm -hmm. have a yeah, right, when right, you right, have right, a teenager right. that goes to church on his own or her own uh, objective, and then their parents are non-Christian, then yeah. the church becomes the primary disciple-making uh, right, right, right. yes. personnel, yes. right? But but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think when you when you consider what God is doing, I mean, COVID has contributed to this where early on, uh, maybe maybe families didn't worship like that Sunday mornings sure. in front of their TV screens together right, 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 uh, right, and right. listening to their sermons together uh, for the mm -hmm. longest time. And then as churches, uh, some churches began to reopen, you, you have now, at least here in California, we're not able to go indoors, at least in LA County. I guess there's some parts of California you can. Uh, and so you have this drive-in idea in our church where mm -hmm. you're still with the family unit. And right. so more and more, not only is it a practical reality where parents are more involved in uh, worshiping with their kids and, and, and teaching their kids, but when you consider what's happening uh, through the education system, um, you know, pastors and Sunday school teachers, I mean, we get to talk to um, minds and hearts like for an hour or maybe a couple hours a week, but parents get sure. them all the time. And there are right. a lot of good Christian teachers in the education system. They can only say so much. They can only do so much. Uh, I'm talking about the public school system. Right, right. At, right. The, at the end of the day, 
um, even the best Christian teachers working in public schools need parents to be equipped. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think that now you have a generation of parents uh, who are more concerned uh, about what their kids are learning. So you see an uptick in um, more and more younger millennial parents or, or pre-millennial, not eschatologically, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, yeah, those are. I, I'm, I'm pre millennial. I'm pre millennial. Um, I am pre millennial, both in my eschatology and in my age. And yeah, in yeah, my yeah. age, um, historic pre millennial. Uh, but but basically, we could talk about that too. Yeah, no, that's uh, a different podcast. We could talk about that too. Okay, Jesus is sitting on David's throne, yet there still is a okay, future okay, millennial okay. kingdom. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so post-tribulation rapture. We can okay, okay, but, uh, but okay. anyway, <laughs> or mid-trib. But but I, I think at the I, I think at the end of the day, you know, um, more and more more and more parents are open to the idea of homeschool. And I don't think you mm. have to homeschool if you if that doesn't work out for your context, right? If you can't right, do right, it. Right, right. Um, but at the end of the right. day, I think more and more pastors and church leaders need to sit together with homeschool parents with teachers. Yeah with educators and talk about how maybe some of our fellowship groups or our Sunday schools needs to be equipping parents to work through basic school subjects mm, and how to mm. view it through a Christ-centered and a biblical worldview. I think more and more we can't escape it. We can't escape it now. Wow. Okay. So what we really need to do is get Katie and, and PT on this because now we're going into the family and children's realm but let, let's just talk let's just talk i guess overall structure for our church seeing as you're the english lead pastor right we don't have children's ministry right now i mean what do we have auntie katie does you know her sermons online um i know that just does like sunday school with her class you know maybe like a 20 30 minute class or something like that but it's really difficult over zoom right how do you think our church is going to respond now moving forward maybe if we are able to open in the future you know i'm talking like how are we gonna how are we gonna change things moving forward after this COVID thing has gone on especially with everything you've been saying right now with emphasis on the family unit yeah i i, I think that there's uh this would be an answer for katie and uh and and terrence to mm -hmm. uh, to chime into but i think it's a it's a team effort i mean so children's they've done a phenomenal job they are online so there's friday night awana but that's done online. They use Zoom and they have, I don't know, several Zoom platforms and breakout rooms. Right. Um, the Sunday school uh, teachers pre-record uh, for each grade level. Right. They, they, you know, you get those, they're emailed out. And, uh, and then um, our children's director, Katie, she has a, like a children's sermon. And so everything seems to be online. But on top of that, I, I, I think that um, a lot of the children's ministry, you're seeing parents in small groups get together to have mm. a smaller scale online or backyard safe socially mm. distanced um, right. protected kind of um, you know events for their children smaller events to, right. to give their right. their children that community experience there's um, I, I know that uh, Katie and maybe some of her uh, children's workers were going door to door to some of the children and just oh, like wow. ringing the wow. doorbell keeping yeah. a face mask on and standing outside and just greeting like right. a checkup for some of the children. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so so I, I think for our church, it's going to be a lot. I mean, we already have a homeschool parents network uh, and oh, any nice. parent, non-homeschool right. parent can attend that. But I think right. more and more, we're hopefully we we open up our, our uh, once we can go back in that we really do right. use our classrooms uh, for, for some of these networks, for some of these parents to meet, for parents of different age groups. We have these, uh, what do you call these, these age 
age group uh, parent reps that basically mm -hmm, right. uh, communicate with all of the parents in their grade. And I right, think right. together we're going to start sharing curriculum and we're going to start equipping ah. and maybe the pastors have to get in there too. But mm -hmm. I'm going to be leaning heavily on our Christian teachers, public school and private school teachers who are our church mm -hmm. members or mm -hmm. who are Christians and asking for help. And see, uh, how can we support you? Uh, because you're in the public school or private school. And uh, how can you how can you uh, bless us? Because we really need you. What do we do? Uh, how do we even understand these subjects? How do we equip the next generation? I think if we do that, it, is, it really is a vibrant ministry. And that's just uh, that's just the iceberg. I mean, you got our Mandarin parents. Some of them are immigrants. Um, and they need help, you know, in terms uh, of understanding American, the American school system, maybe certain... Uh, Things they, they need some help with the with the language capability and um, and also uh, applying the Judeo Christian worldview and that's where we're going to need um, it's going to be cross congregational and intergenerational. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you kind of thinking big picture on that and like I said, yes, we'll have to get PT and Katie to talk about that. Um, but yeah, you've obviously been thinking about a lot of things, Hanley. Yesterday during the prayer meeting again, you're using prayer meeting as a good way to give kind of quick devotionals here. You talked about conscience, I believe, right? Can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? That seems like another cerebral topic here that you've been diving into. <laughs> yeah. You know, once again, I'm, I'm speaking, so I'm speaking specifically to our church people, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I, I choose not to uh, record these. Uh, I, I just think, you know, I just want to take the time of whatever time I have to really shepherd our people. No, and that makes again, sense. A, again, yeah. a very conservative church uh, and mm -hmm. concerned about religious freedom and concerned about education, right. For their children mm -hmm. and, and, and ideas that are, that are not um, traditionally biblical um, right. or, or biblical. Right. And right. so I, I wanted to remind them that, look, even though religious freedom is not in, uh, in, you know, it's not promised to us that Wayne Grudem um, in his book, politics, that big one, uh, and it's yeah. really a book about worldview. That's really what it's about. Um, he does lay out for us a, a framework for religious freedom. And one of the passages that he draws from is Matthew 22. Matthew 22, the famous passage where they try mm -hmm. to test Jesus and they're like, Jesus, do we give our taxes to, to Caesar or, or not? And, mm -hmm. and Jesus says, well, let me see the coin and, and whose who's, uh, face is on there. Well, it's Caesar's. So render to Caesar's what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's. And mm -hmm. what Jesus is doing there is he's dividing the spheres. That there's two realms. There is the realm of government and the authority there. There's the realm of the sphere of Caesar, one. And then there's the sphere of what belongs to God. And so the government can do things with raising taxes, lowering taxes. They can persecute religious people or re for religious ideas. They can grant religious freedom or not. But that's all, that's all happening in one realm, right? And Jesus says in another passage in John 18, 36, he's talking to Pontius Pilate. He says, my kingdom is, is not of this world. Therefore, my kingdom is not a threat to you, Pilate. My kingdom right now is not of this world. And so what Jesus is basically saying is that religious freedom operates at the level of the conscience. It is of the spiritual realm and the spiritual kingdom. And once again, it cannot be bound. The only thing that can be bind your conscience in a negative sense is through sin. But once the Holy Spirit uh, frees your will to respond to the gospel and you begin to see things through the lens of, of truth, then 
you're free. And so, so that's what I kind of uh, I talked about a little bit. And once again, just trying to just trying to encourage our people that I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, is going to, to disappear. And uh, there, there's a lot of good reasons, even secular reasons for that, you know? Mm. Okay. So yeah, a lot of times in sermons, right, we hear talking about the heart. I don't really hear too much talking about the conscience. How are they similar? How they're different? What, where's the connection there? Or what's the, What's the difference between the two? Well, I, I would think that the conscience is connected to the mind and uh, the mind and the heart. I mean, obviously, uh, you and I, being good reformed brothers, I, I think that I think we're dichotomous, right? We believe yeah, that right, body right, right. and soul. That's it. Body and soul. And, right, and right. when you consider the, the the body's physical, okay, yeah, and the soul includes your mind and your heart, right? If you mm -hmm. feel, but your mind doesn't catch up, then that's that's crazy, right? Then you're just become emotional and, and, and then you're a wreck. But if you, but if you're, if it's just all here, then that's not good either. Right. So, so your mind and your heart have to, your, your mind has to inform what you feel, but you need mm. to feel what you think, because that's the essence of worship and the connection. The conscience operates at the seat of the heart. This is your inner being. Some mm. people call it your um, your soul, but your conscience mm. basically informs and presses upon you the moral compass of the image of God that rests in you. Uh, when you're born into sin, it's the image of God that's fallen, right? It's marred, but it's not mm. God. And you were created mm. to worship God and to please him. And so as Jesus redeems you, what he's redeeming is that that image of God in you. He's trying to direct your comp compass back to true north and direct you towards Christ likeness mm -hmm. and, and the worship of God. And that's all. So when the Holy Spirit operates and you feel convicted, he's working on your conscience. That, that's what's happening, right? It's your conscience that convicts you, that you feel bad that you've sinned or that you feel good because you feel like you're honoring God or that you've done your best to glorify him. That is your conscience speaking to you. And the conscience needs to remain free, right? It needs to be remain free in the sense where uh, you need to be able to freely think and and learn and pursue the thought of God and the things of God from Scripture. So, what are some things that can bind your conscience to make it not free? Uh, uh, well, there's there's a, in Second Corinthians. I know the context is talked about Paul defending his ministry and his reputation, but when he when yeah. he talks about take every thought captive. Um, yeah. Because and and don't let strongholds remain in your heart. I think the strongholds of unredeemed aspects. So in the life of a believer, yeah. in your heart, if there's parts that have not yet been redeemed, meaning Jesus reigns as King, but that area hasn't been surrendered fully to right. worship, right. that can become a stronghold. It can bind your mm. conscience. If mm. if you feel like over and over again, man, I shouldn't do this, or I shouldn't say this, or I shouldn't think this way because it doesn't honor God, but you keep rejecting that that whatever you call that subtle conviction if you will then yeah. you're suppressing the the conscience right and so mm. if you allow sin to grab a stronghold and if you allow sin to take root in your heart then then it's a harder uh it takes a lot more work a lot more meditation a lot mm. more uh dependency on prayer and then and spiritual disciplines to root out some of those those uh, sin issues so i think sin uh, unrepentant sin is basically what would bind your conscience in a negative yeah. sense. 
Right, right. Man, that's good. Thank you for taking the time to kind of talk through this with me. These are some heady concepts. So to anybody who's still listening, thanks for sticking with us. These are, <laughs> these are, these are what our churches are thinking about these days. Pastor Hanley, there's been a little bit more uh, changes regarding COVID. I believe there's a little bit more uh, restrictions and a curfew, I believe, in place. How do you feel about that? What does that look like for our church in the future? Does that change anything for us? Yeah, there's there's been uh, the curfew, and uh, you know, I, I think it's what 10 p.m. Uh, Something you know, like that, that. Yeah, everything, and then uh, until 6 a.m. I think that's reasonable. You know, I, I don't think churches need to be uh, doing ministry in person um, at 10:30 at night. I mean, I think that's very fair and reasonable. And I think mainly what what that's targeted towards are uh, maybe restaurants opening late, and uh, you know, just people. Uh, having gatherings are unnecessary, like it's not dinner yeah. time anymore, and you're. I think so, right? Not, you know, and and, right. and maybe maybe that's what it's after. Uh, but but I would say it doesn't change the operation of the church. I think there there was one order, um, a, a guidance, and different counties will will put different weight on it. Uh, but but I think it's it's the one where you can't have more than 15 people gathered outdoors. So you only can gather outdoors, not indoors. Mm -hmm. And when you're outdoors. Uh, you can only have 15 people and no more than three households, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. So I take that as private gatherings, informal gatherings, uh, parties, uh, holiday parties, celebrations, uh, because I think those are the kind of events where uh, the virus is more likely to be transmitted because people are eating or they're talking and maybe their guard is down, right? Uh, but when you're talking right. about a formal service like a church where you have protocol, you have the option to stay in your car. We 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 need to keep doing a good job. We need to keep being vigilant in wearing our face masks right. and keeping social distance. And, and the pastors need to just keep echoing, let's love our neighbors, let's do this. Well, I I, I don't think that's right. talking about the church. Now, some counties might say, yeah, that's talking about the church. But remember that there is a special guidance put out by LA County for religious, uh, for places of worship or religious institutions, for weddings and for, for funerals. Um, and I think that the church falls under that. And I think it's completely okay to say, wait until that changes. Until that stands, I think we continue to meet outdoors. Yeah. Uh, we wear our face masks. Uh, yeah. We have hand sanitizer everywhere. And we keep exhorting our people to keep our social distance. We do all the temperature checks. We have the waivers. Uh, we just try to do our part. Um, and, and, and so here's where I think we can be a good witness is number one, um, I think, you know, evangelical churches need to do a little better. Um, I, I don't think that we need to be gathering uh, in person without any face masks and saying that COVID is not real or that it's a, it's a ploy of the Democratic Party. I, I don't think we need to say that. I, I think that we need to think globally, like I've said, to take COVID seriously to, to look at how people's lives are, are have been um, you know harmed by this physically. Uh, but at the same time, uh, church is essential because of COVID, because of the economy, because of everything that's been happens happening socially and politically, people need to hear the word of God. Uh, people need to gather and see people in person, but safely. Uh, people need to be prayed over. Uh, people who are dealing with discouragement and mental health need to be uh, getting community the way that God designed us to. So I think the church, the churches that are able to meet safely, if that's, and it's up to them, it's a matter of Christian freedom. It's not a matter of right or wrong. If they're able to meet safely, then more power to them. But I, I, I do think we need to be careful. We need to be a good witness. 
We need to support the mil uh, the military. Uh, yes, we need to support our military, but we need to support our medical. We need to support our medical community. Um, and I'm afraid sometimes when I hear that the medical community sees the evangelical church as a bad witness. I don't think that's true of all of us, right? But I, I do see that based on on certain uh, very loud voices out there that are influential, that that might be the case. So I, I do think we have to balance ourselves to say, look, there's more, uh, there's, there's, there's restrictions coming out. Yeah. COVID is surging. We don't have to be fighting and defying the governments all over the place, left and right. Uh, but at a certain point, if the government were to say, no, you cannot have outdoor drive-ins, even though you're in your cars. Uh, no, you, you can't have drive-in worship, even if you're wearing face masks. Then I think at that point, we need to really pray about whether or not uh, that is the right time to say, no, we're going to wear our face masks. We're going to keep our distance, but we're going to continue to drive in. And maybe we'll, we'll add a few more pre uh, precautionary uh, steps, uh, but, but let's continue to gather and worship. And that's our plan is we're going to continue to worship outdoors in our parking lot as a drive-in service. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's, let's talk a little bit about those drive-in services. You've been preaching, uh, switching off with a uh, pastor Albert but when you've been preaching, I've heard a little bit more of you saying that you want to hear feedback from our congregation, like you want them to say yes or amen. What is up with that? What's going on here? You don't normally, I mean, sometimes you do, but I've, I, I think like a couple sermons in a row, you said things like that. What's been yeah, going through I, your mind? I think, I think there's a conscious effort on behalf of our entire team. So this includes okay. our AV team. Uh, okay setting up speakers right outdoors where it projects up to the third level but not enough where it disturbs the neighbors right. um it we we've asked our worship teams to uh and so i'm telling you too like 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 we want to sing songs that are more familiar because mm -hmm. we want people to be able to um engage we understand that people sitting in their cars sometimes they're just watching the zoom uh broadcast streamed on their phone or they're listening and it's hard to engage and definitely you know after months of being at home we understand that people are watching at home because they have to but those who come in person you know we already have the cars spaced out like there's a there's an entire parking spot and a car you know in between you right so you have that space that that if you are able to step outside of your car with your mask on mask on always uh and you're just with your family and if you're singing along uh then we want you to participate and so that's why last week, you know, I said, let's do the Lord's Prayer together. Um, ah. You know, maybe at a certain point, we do some scripture reading together, right? You know, just pull it up on your phone and let's, let's, let's do some responsive reading. We want to uh, bring the engagement and the interaction back. So it's less of a, just a drive in and drive out, right? Or drive mm -hmm. in, talk mm -hmm. to some people and drive out. We do have good interaction and I, I'm so grateful for our church. Everyone wears their face mask. Everyone is very respectful, but um, but but I do think you know we want to bring it back uh, to just create that worship experience as in the best way possible. But we know that it's not going to be perfect. So that's that's the motivation. That's the intention is to engage the people and have them respond, have them uh, interact, if you will. I see that. I mean, honestly, that's the way that things should have been, you know, a long time ago, even before COVID, right? Where worship isn't just I'm sitting there as a passive, I don't know, viewer, I guess, but it's uh, participating in, a, in the liturgy together. How do you think that, that that's, how do you think that COVID and going from screen to going back into person, do you think 
that that changed anything in the way our mentality is? Do you think people want that that type of interaction, or do you think that people have just been okay? This is like what it is now. You know, like I, I'm used to watching it on a screen. Um, I I think that you know some will uh, will want to continue you know watching on a screen, but I I think large by and large like our culture is more of an in person. Uh, conservative culture, we even have young adults and, and youth that prefer to be in person, right? Yeah. And so I think going forward, you're going to see a church that is more appreciative of maybe things that we've taken for granted, like being able mm. to gather in person and, and to interact and to hear a sermon preached live, to sing, to hear corporate singing. So I, I, I do think our church would, uh, would move that way. I, I do think that we can cross a barrier. Um, because, you know, by and large, our, our church, the demography is Asians, uh, Asian, and Asians uh, are quiet. You know, Asians don't say amen. They don't talk. Yeah. They don't say, they don't say preacher, bro. They don't even clap, you know, yeah. they don't stand up on their own unless they're charismatic, unless they're part of a charismatic church. Right, so right, we're right, Asian right. and conservative. So you have to tell them, okay, clap now. Okay, you right. can stop clapping. Okay, stand up. If right. you don't tell them to please rise, they're going to just watch you sing the worship set. Right, right, right. So if you don't tell them to raise their hands, maybe there's a few people who raise their hands and everyone thinks, what's wrong with this guy? You know, right, so, right, right. so I, I think that, you know, it's it's up to us now as leaders to say, hey, it's okay to worship how your conscience leads you to worship. So if you feel mm. like you want to sit down and all that, it's okay. But hey, now, now you know, let's just say post-vaccine, vaccine gets, uh, gets passed out and, uh, you know, people get vaccinated. Hey, let's interact. You know, let's yeah. sing. Let's raise our hands because we're able to. Let's show praise, and we don't have to go charismaniac, right? But but <laughs> right, I do right, think right. I, I do think we can worship worship with more interaction, with more passion, mm. with more fervor, uh, mm. and then to be able to to even show that we're engaging with the sermon. Now, I don't expect our church to be like, amen, amen, all over the place, but I would like to <laughs> yeah. see it. I'd like mm. to see it. So mm. yeah, mm. we'll see. I appreciate it, Hanley. Uh, we're going a little bit long right now, but I want to end us on a, I guess, a thankful note, seeing as um, it's going to be Thanksgiving soon. This pro this podcast will probably last us through Thanksgiving. Maybe we'll get back together and record after. But uh, what do you have to be thankful for sitting here in the midst of COVID-19? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for my, for my family, for my, for my two kids. Um, really young kids, a three-year-old and a seven-month-old, almost three. She's almost three, our daughter. And our son is uh, just turned seven months. And I, I, I guess learning that, you know, learning that, uh, you know, at first it's hard, you know, when you're home more and there's less activities, but just seeing the simple joys and being able to spend more time and, and seeing them grow. And uh, God could have it anyway, right? But just to see the gift of God and the responsibility there, uh, I, I think I'm, I'm really thankful for that, you know, I, I, to confess, and I don't mind doing this publicly, I think most people know that I love my work, and if, if there's any idolatry in my life, I can easily idolatry, uh, you know, have an idolatry of ministry, or getting things done uh, for, you know, in terms of ministry work, um, and uh, I, I think, let me, yeah, it's getting dark in here, let me turn the light on, so, uh, <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, I know I look like a ghost. Let's just mess with this thing. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, just really, really grateful for my family. And then I'm grateful for the church family. Like our church, 
uh, is a resilient church. You know, in every church, there's going to be critics. There's going to be people who are always critical and never happy. Um, but but at the end of the day, you know, by by and large, and I keep saying that today, um, you know, our church has been so supportive. Um, we had Pastors Appreciation Month, and every single note, every single token of appreciation, whether it's a gift card or a simple thank you or like a card, it was so meaningful just to read every single prayer. Um, and that's just not not just for us. I mean, people are like encouraging and, and, and loving one another and they're trusting us. And as pastors, like we're figuring things out along the way. You know, we don't know what we're doing all the time. And we're trying and people are patient with us. You know, they, they understand our limitations that we're working as hard as we can. Um, sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we hit a wall. Sometimes we just don't know. Uh, sometimes there's, there's, there's crazy opinions. Uh, there's polarizing opinions and we can't please everyone. So you stand in the middle and everyone hates you. You know, the, the you know, people on both sides hates you, hates, hates you. But for the most part, like our church has been gracious to us. Like whenever we explain to them, here's why we have to do what we do or stand where we stand, people understand. And so I'm so grateful for our church. And uh, I keep saying this, I'll say this more, but so I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for friends like you, you know, and um, you guys are such an encouragement and, and our people continue to be resilient. They continue to press forward, uh, serving God and, and being creative and finding new ways to do ministry, our staff, everyone. And just, I've said that on the pulpit, so thankful for all of our staff, our interns, deacons, everyone. And so, yeah, just thank yous all across the board, all around the table. Uh, just a lot to be thankful for. And, uh, and, 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 you know, I'm just so humbled that I, that I get to be part of this church family. You know, I just be, I'm just one of the members. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pastor Hanley, thank you so much for taking this call and uh, have a good Thanksgiving holiday. I'll see you on the other side, God willing. Okay. All right. You too, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you and Jess. And Happy the family. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Have a good night. All right. You too. Bye.